Up ahead on the Sound Rider Show, we've got Karen from Avid Moto Tours. She's going to be talking about her upcoming Northwest Volcano Tour. We'll talk about Seattle's new noise ordinance and why hell's a poppin' won't be at the Rally in the Gorge. All that and so much more. Stick around. Support for Sound Rider and the Sound Rider Show is made possible by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in Issaquah, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from. Whether you're shopping for a used sport bike, cruiser, dual sport, sport touring, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. This is Jose Mateu with Skagit Power Sports. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, Join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Welcome, riders and readers, to the monthly Sound Rider Show. And uh, this is our July show, number 1807. Glad you could make it. We've got a lot going on today. Um, we're going to talk about what's been going on. We've got a lot of cool news bites. Uh, plenty on the calendar, as usual. And it must be July. You know why, Derek? Why is that? My computer keyboard is covered in cat fur, so, <laughs> so the shedding is really that's, underway. That's the indicator, huh? When you're uh, covered in white cat fur, you know that it's July, the month of independence. <laughs> <laughs> the month of the shed. Gives a whole new meaning to Moto Shed. Yes, it definitely does. Yeah, our friend's down <laughs> in Queen Anne there. Uh, but you, uh, you know, outside of the whole cat shedding thing, maybe part of that has been uh, piling up because you haven't really been around too much. You've been out on these Soundwriter events. Yeah, we uh, we recorded the last show in the middle of May. Right. So uh, in the 45 days it has followed, uh, I've been out doing a lot of stuff. We, we did start with the road trip back in May. And uh, we all had a good time. Yeah, so let's get into that a little bit because this was really uh, this was really a great route. You were down in uh, uh, in Oregon, right? We were doing yeah, we, uh, Weird Oregon. We, it was a Weird Oregon tour. Yeah. We kicked it off in Forest Grove and uh, at the McMenamins place there at the old Grand Lodge. Nice. And so that's uh, that's weird all in itself. You know, I've never been there. You got to go. Yeah, I need to check it out. But they have a really nice hot pool there that cool. I like. Um, but you know, like the bar is called the doctor's office, right? Which I don't know, sounds kind of fitting after five o'clock at night. Sure, yeah, the doctor self-medicating, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so then immediately we we took off on a bunch of cool little twisty back roads, stayed off of the main uh, highway forty-seven, nice, and uh, dropped into uh, oh, we crossed the Willamette River on a ferry. It's gorgeous. A lot of people don't know about that little... It's called the Wheatland Ferry. Now, how long does that take to get across on the old Wheatland Ferry? Uh, I couldn't get my phone out of my pocket and back in fast enough. <laughs> okay. In fact, I told everybody, you know, if you really want to... If you're up for the challenge, you, you, you try to swim across and see if you can beat yeah, the ferry. Yeah, beat the ferry, yep. So That's like uh, the game of chicken, right? If you can't beat the ferry, then the uh, ship captain gets to keep your motorcycle. I think well, that's how it works. <laughs> you'll, you'll come out wet either way. Right. And, uh, yeah, so then we, we went across to uh, Silverton and had coffee and 
and uh, hit the road again and cruised up over Highway 20. Great. And down into uh, Bend for two, was it? No, we only did one day in Bend. Yeah. Uh, so we were there for a day, and then we shot down to uh, Grants Pass and did a bunch of back roads, went up where there's uh, – uh, well, we went down through Kalamath and uh, ate at the Ruddy Duck, a really good restaurant cool. at the Running Y Springs Resort. Um, and then we went up and found the um, statue of Paul Bunyan's brother. Oh, right. What, his brother's name is uh... – um, I don't know, Rick – Dave, Rick, Joe, <laughs> Dave, Dave Bunyan, <laughs> <laughs> Foot Bunyan, I don't know. Right. Um, well, you know that that uh, the whole trip, though. Obviously, the point of it is to highlight some of the great pavement through Oregon. But I think yeah. sometimes we forget a little bit about some of the back roads that are uh, so spectacular. Well, and one of the th- fun things about routing a tour like this is when you're trying to find the weird stuff, then you try to connect it to the to the cool back roads you've never been on. Right. And some of them turn out to be real nice. Yeah. Pavement. So, so going up to Paul Bunyan's brother was a beautiful ride through the back forest there. And I don't know if you remember we talked about this might have been last year actually the uh, the quality of roads in the United States. Right there was that article that ranked the fifty states, and didn't wasn't Oregon like fifth? Do you remember back to that? I don't. I, I, yeah, I remember we talked about that. Yeah. Um, it's definitely really, yeah, for the most part, it's well taken care of yeah. payment. So um, as opposed to, say, California. Right. Uh, <laughs> what? I got some stuff going Get on. Get out of here, yeah. the money goes. I don't know either, man. State income tax and sales tax. Yeah. And they still don't have enough money to fix their roads. Yeah, but you can split lanes down there, so that's something for motorcycles. Oh, boy, that's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then the next day we went up and uh, found a dinosaurs up at the prehistoric dinosaur park. Cool. They're all alive, you know. Oh, are they really? Oh, yeah. 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 That's where they filmed uh, Jurassic Park. That's actually a documentary, I understand. Well, that's where they got the idea. Yeah. <laughs> but they couldn't use real dinosaurs in the movie, so they had to go somewhere else. Yeah, well, that's when they bring in the robots. Is, uh, <laughs> those real dinosaurs are a little unwieldy, but... No, but that really... Uh, I thought this was a really cool idea for a tour because there are so many. Everybody knows that. Portland's weird, but that kind of uh, the whole state of Oregon has some very interesting oh, yeah. treasures in it. Yeah. Um, then we went. We we did go out on the coast and uh, went to ride one of my little favorite roads on the south end there, which turns out it's uh, not in great shape right now. What's uh, I'm trying to remember the name off the top of my head here? And sure. I'm, well, I'm do you blanking. think? Do you think uh, has that just been like the winners and that kind of thing that tore it up? Or I think it's the... got something to do with the contractor and the way the culverts were put in. Oh. Okay. And then they also they were running some logging trucks on it, so you got all that weight on pavement that's that wasn't laid down that well. I gotcha. And so it's kind of uh, kind of not happening. But then further up the road uh, on Thursday. We all went on the Sillitz Highway. That is, that is, that's one of the best motorcycle rides I've had really? in several years. So let's talk to the listeners a little bit about that. How do you get to the Sillitz Highway, like off of I-5 maybe? <laughs> well, you don't go from I-5. You go off the coast. So from uh, Newport, Oregon, right. you head out uh, to the east, and you go to a little town called Toledo. Okay. And then you pick up the Sillitz Highway out of Toledo, and you ride it north. Nice. And it is just a blast. 
haven't had so much fun on a road in a while. Uh, I rode together with uh, a guy who's a regular on our tours, comes to rally often, Bruce Graham. And uh, he and I, as as we rode along, I thought, you know, he's not like really getting ahead of me, but I'm not like really always catching up to him either. Right. And we're pretty evenly matched. And then I realized, you know, Bruce and I have been through a lot of the same classes. Oh, interesting. And so we have pretty much the same training yeah. in motorcycles. It's not so much track days and stuff like that. It's more things like advanced rider courses, um, uh, you know, stuff that's been done on the track but not as a track day. Gotcha. And so we were very evenly matched through that whole it's about 30, 40 miles. Oh, well, my God. Well, you know, that's kind of a uh, that's kind of an interesting point to find. Uh, find a great road like that and then maybe do it year after year with some classes in between and kind of see how your skills improve yeah you know yeah definitely uh and that's uh that's noted um both roads we're talking about the one i can't remember the name of right and that one are both noted in an article that i will keep up during the month of july which is a ride report on the oregon coast cool so people can go find those roads and have some, some good fun uh, as fast as I got home, I had to pack up again. I had to go down to Bend, Oregon, and start pre-riding the Sasquatch Tools Board. Yeah, tour. so a little from uh, pavement to dirt roads, and uh, the Sasquatch this year sounded like a great success again. It was a good one. The uh, pre-ride was interesting. Um, it was we we didn't actually know who was going to be pre-riding with me sure. uh, from day to day. <laughs> <laughs> but you had a couple of uh, a couple of good assistants on this one. We did. We had Norm out there helping me out on uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and we had uh, Dale Gray from South Sound Honda, right? Uh, who was helping me on? Uh, I guess he was helping me Friday, Saturday, and then Norm was Sunday, Monday. Um, and uh, some uh, interesting mechanical issues. I broke a battery. Literally broke the negative terminal on the battery. So that uh, did I think we might did we touch on that last month? No, that couldn't have last month, huh? Uh, no, I don't know because we hadn't. I hadn't broken the battery May- yet. Okay, maybe you and I had talked about it at some point. But uh, so so um, I want to thank everybody at uh, Batteries Plus for giving me my money back. Right. Uh, they had an error in their database. They had a wrong size battery listed that would fit in my bike. And that was the one that was in the store the day I bought it. I put it in. I noticed it was kind of riding on the edge of the of the mount area. Sure. Uh, but then when you bang around on the washboard for a while and all that stuff, then they, oh, all of a sudden the bike won't start. Yeah, that's hmm. not a uh, a good setup there. But you were able to get it fixed up and uh, get back out and complete the pre ride on that trip. Well, I'd like to thank all my friends at Napa <laughs> who had a battery when the local motorcycle shop. Did not have the battery uh, in uh, Bend, Oregon. I won't name their name. Sure. But, uh, but uh, Napa had it, so I went and got the right size battery, and we finished the pre-ride, and that, that all worked out fine. And then uh, the actual tour. And then the actual tour, I drove the Element. Oh, okay. Carted everybody's luggage around. Makes sense. You had a pretty good turnout this year, though. Uh, pretty good turnout. Yeah. I think we had a dozen on the tour. Great. Yeah. So... Uh, um, we threw in some challenge sections. Some people took them. Some people had trouble on them. Uh, some people got through parts of them. Um, we put the old Santium wagon trail, which is up out or outside of Sisters. We put that on, and eight miles of it was open, and a few people did get through, including Bruce Graham. Cool. Um, so they had their fun. Um, 
the Tuesday was the ride around Redmond. It was an all-day ride around Redmond, and uh, it got a little hot. And uh, toward the end, most people saw Highway 97 instead of crossing over. They just shot back down to Redmond. Again. Sure, that makes sense. I, I want to ask you, on this uh, the dozen or so riders here, did anybody bring, uh, bring a bike that kind of surprised you? Or was everybody on? No, kind we had of a little the, bit of everything. Yeah. I mean, we had a, a large KTM 1290 out there. Okay. We had a CRF 250L out oh, there. Oh, right on. KTM 350. Uh, the, the the lady with the uh, CRF250 managed to get a flat tire on Tuesday and Thursday. All right, now we're on a dual sport tour. So <laughs> she got all she got all the flat tires. Nobody else got flat tires on the trip. Well, fortunately, that uh, is one of the easier bikes to prop up, being probably the lightest one there. So, oh yeah, yeah, and they had their friends out there with them. Of course, so yeah. There was always three or four people in the group, and they'd find a, a good tree stump. I think I saw a picture of the bike at one point parked up on top of a five-gallon bucket. That's what it's all about. I've been there before, the DR350, actually, last summer in Idaho. So, uh, yeah, so that was that was good. Yeah, but now uh, those two tours are in the past. But if you're, look, if you're looking for something, let's say, in August, we've got uh, what may be called the Premier Soundwriter event coming up at the end of August, the Rally in the Gorge. The Rally in the Gorge yeah. is coming up. We've got the uh, first uh, schedule for 2018 posted now. Uh, we're still pulling together who's our guest speakers are going to be. Cool. Uh, I've got all of July ahead of me to work on the rally, so that's really good because I'm not going to be trying to run a tour or anything right. like that. That's all over. So. Uh, well, I have a feeling you said you've got the rest of July to work on it. I have a feeling you'll be using all of July to work on it to get that uh, up and running. Yep. i got yeah. a couple weekend things I'll take off on, but uh, for the most part, I'll be working right here in the crow's nest. Well, you know, the uh, this is what, what year are we going into? Is this 16 or this is sweet 16? Sweet 16. It's hard to believe, man. 16 years, which is a uh, which is really a great accomplishment. I think there's a lot of people who don't know this rally has been going on since 2003. I, I think you're right, and that was uh, kind of one of the things that I wanted to highlight and also mention because we have a lot of listeners from all over the Pacific Northwest that uh, Hood River County Fairgrounds is base camp for this. You've got dirt roads, you've got paved roads. And uh, camping right on site. So I got flushing toilets, flushing toilets, and running water. I got showers a full too, menu right? at the uh, at the food outlet every day. Yeah, with, uh, that's that goes way beyond burgers and hot dogs and pretzels. Some great stuff that you can get right on site there. And how beautiful is Hood River? I, I mean, I got I got running showers, a, hot showers, which is I mean, you feel like after a day or two of riding around, especially in uh, you know sometimes we get some hot days down there. It's nice to be mm-hmm. able to rinse off. We got a bike wash. Bike wash, yeah, that's important. <laughs> we got GPS routes. Maybe we got, I'll. We got atlases available if you need them. Maybe I'll use the bike wash this year. It'll be the first time I've washed my motorcycle wow. since I've owned it. <laughs> that would be like removing a layer of paint off your bike. Aren't you going to need to when, before you wash the bike? Won't you need to start with like sixty grit paper? Yeah, I'd probably have to get under there. You probably you start peeling things down. There's probably Reagan stickers on there. That thing. Mm. <laughs> I was that, that wow. For that the, might be some interesting stuff there from the original owner. Who knows? But uh, but really, the rally is always a an awesome time, and uh, hopefully, no forest fires this year. So we'll be back at uh, HQ. So far, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's been uh, pretty mild so far. So knocking on wood. I went down to L.A. last week, and on the way home, we flew up uh, around, like, uh, Mammoth and Mono Lake and over central Oregon, and I only saw one fire burning the whole time. That's pretty good. 
So let's let's hope that that continues. Yeah, and I don't have it confirmed or not, but I think that it was just an emotional fire. Oh, <laughs> maybe it was a dumpster fire. Could have been that too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, speaking of dumpster fires, let's uh, let's take a little break. When we come back, we'll have news bites. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible by. Adventure Motorsports, Stomish County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. Hi, I'm Brian McMorrin from Peachland, British Columbia, Canada, and one of my favorite rides is from the Ravina Curves between Moser and the Dalles. Hi guys, this is Bill from Revit. You're listening to the Sound Rider Show. the sound rider show and we'll dive right into news bites because there's been some interesting stuff going on you know not a ton locally here in the pacific northwest but a lot globally that uh has kind of been moving and shaking but uh before we get into that we will start locally with the seattle noise ordinance what do you know about this tom well you talk about a dumpster fire yeah no kidding this is a dumpster fire waiting to happen (laughs) so uh it turns out they've made an amendment to the seattle noise ordinance where now they say they can pull you out and test your vehicle if they can hear the vehicle right. at 75 feet away you can get a 136 dollar citation so you know how good my hearing is yeah it's uh it's really bad yeah so uh i may not be able to hear someone's vehicle 175 feet away that's true but you can and there is no specific to human hearing that's on the law books. Which is going to make this very difficult to – you would think we should make it difficult to enforce, right? Because, what, I mean, yeah. it's going to be arbitrary. The police officer that uh, sees you going by, do they pull you over or don't they pull you over, right? Do they feel like it's loud enough or not loud well, enough? Well, and then they also have to remember when they pack up their gun and they're in their uh, walkie-talkie and yeah. stuff, when they leave for their sh- – when they go on their shift that day, they also need to remember to pack up their 75-foot-long tape measure. Right. So we could say specifically that he was 74 feet away and I could hear this at X amount of decibels. <laughs> now, what – Is anybody checking the length on those tape measures? Maybe Making they, sure they're, they conform to weights and measures of those, the state? Don't they have those uh, those like uh, those pin finder things you can use in golf? Right? You can oh, see yeah, how maybe far, a maybe laser pointer thing. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> wow, maybe there's an app in the guy's phone, and he can get a seventy five foot measurement just with the app. I and think then you'd have to have that checked by weights and measures too, wouldn't pa- you? Patent pending, sound rider there, man. He might have uh, might have a business model there. Wow. Um, now, what is your understanding? Of what uh, kind of led to this? Because I had seen some stuff that kind of indicated maybe like Alki Beach. People were kind of up in arms about as as bikes long cruising. as I've lived here. Yeah, Alki Beach has been a noise problem. Yeah, and not just Alki. It starts down at the ferry. 
Um, so when people get off the ferry with their aftermarket pipes and yeah. blow through the neighborhood toward Alki, uh, it's loud. Sure. And there's no doubt about it. And the, the, the city has a noise ordinance law already on the books. Uh, they seem to successfully give out citations to people who play their music too loud in their car. But uh, they've they've been tossed around in every direction by the attorneys for the actual exhaust systems. Gotcha. So they haven't really been able to enforce it. Um, this doesn't look like a step forward. Right. This looks like just another fun day for an attorney in court. Well, so that's what my question is. Is this just a one of those measures where they're getting – Maybe so much complaints from so many complaints from the local populace that they're like, "Yeah, we'll put this on the books, and then they're gonna leave it at bay. <laughs> They'll leave us alone." Yeah. After. <laughs> or are they are they targeting a specific crowd? Do they have problems with you know Harley riders, loud pipes? Well, you know, it was lights, funny because or... when you looked at the, the article in the Seattle Times, it showed two motorcycles in a photograph, right? And the entire article talked about cars. <laughs> so there there was some good reporting there. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I only uh, I never look at a physical paper, so when I go to the Seattle Times, all I see is ads. So I can never get through to the actual content. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, uh, exactly, you're not a, a, a subscriber. Yeah, it's you won't uh, make it through the paywall. It's it's very interesting these uh, these types of little movements, though, because you just you do wonder like what is the ultimate intent, and how we're going to have to work. I mean, I basically ride a dirt bike. I don't know. I have any idea how loud that is. Well, get out a tape measure and. Uh, Measure 75 feet and then put your bike on <laughs> yeah. and use like a throttle meister or something. Give it about 1,500 RPMs and then walk back to 70 feet and see if you can still hear it. You probably can hear it. Yeah, that sounds like uh, a great way to spend an afternoon. Thing. It's just yeah. so open-ended. It's crazy. Yeah. So I don't think that one's going to fly. No. Well, we'll see. We'll definitely try to keep an eye on it here. But uh, but uh, I'll tell you what does make good good. Good business sense. Yeah. Harley-Davidson's going to open up a factory in Europe to build motorcycles for the European market. I think that's good business sense. So are they doing this in tandem? Because I had seen a lot about uh, a Thailand plant as well. Um, that one exists already. Okay. And then so Maybe does the one in India. India, Brazil, right? They're, uh, they're really – their manufacturing is – I think is... the Thailand already exists. Okay. Maybe I'm not th- sure. That might be the case. I know that they, they had mentioned that one a lot, but I did see as well that they're going to do some manufacturing in Europe. This is, uh, this is tough on Harley, this, all this, this whole I game. I don't think it's such a bad thing. I mean, obviously, if there's going to be tariffs on the bikes coming into the country, then the smart thing to do is go build your manufacturing in the country where you're going to sell the bike so you don't get charged tariffs. I, I agree 100%. I mean, I don't fault. It doesn't keep jobs in the United States, no. but it's, it's, uh, it's a smart move. And this is actually – it was odd to me because you could tell this was a press release that came across the AP wire right. uh, back at the first of, of the week here that we're recording, which is just before July. Yeah. Um, and it, this has all been in motion for some time. They're just getting closer to making it a reality now. Well, I think it's always, it's in constant motion. I mean, if you're a business and you can make half a percent more, you just, you make half a percent more. You don't. I think they're making more than a half a percent. Well, right. But that. I'm saying, yeah. yeah, but regardless of what the margins are, if you can make more doing your operation a certain way, that's what you're kind of obligated to do, particularly if you're a public company like Harley Davidson. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't. You I can't don't fault sit there and get that. hit with these two thousand dollar tariffs on a twenty thousand dollar motorcycle yeah. all day long. Right, and they're saying uh, production costs might be thirty one percent more with uh, some of the imports uh, tariffs that have come up with steel and that kind of stuff. Uh huh. So I mean, I don't. I don't fault Harley Davidson, but 
I do think it puts them in a very precarious position because, one, they're already seeing dwindling market share. And now I think a lot of their base, um, I mean, I would guess that they have a significant amount of people who probably support the, the idea of American first manufacturing that would be their customer. And now they're kind of in this position where they're being, you know, advertised as shipping manufacturing overseas and they've already got dwindling market share. And now prices are looking like they're probably going to go up. What is the spell for the five year horizon for the company? You know? Oh, it, Probably going to go hand in hand with the uh, forthcoming recession. Well, that is probably true. If we, uh, which I mean, cyclically, right? We some would say that we're we due. see a recession every ten years. So. so, some would say that we're due. I think Donald Trump would say mm. that we're not due. I don't know either way personally. I'll but, just wait for his tweet, right? And <laughs> I then think I'll, that's I'll know what the leader is thinking. <laughs> But I really do. Uh, I really do think that this could have a large impact. I mean, especially you're talking about twenty two hundred more. Well, it could have a positive impact for Harley too. It could get. It could grow their market share in Europe more because they're able to affordably price their motorcycles over there. And if the market's there and it's buying them, then then that's probably a good business move. Well, I don't think I had to <clears> use the term affordable though. I'd say maybe more competitive. But I don't know if you're going to be underselling, you know, European brands. I mean, because you're already, I mean, you've got KTM, you've got Husqvarna, uh, Moto Guzzi. I mean, you've got a lot of European brands. And then also, you still have the uh, the Japanese brands going in there. I just, it, I just, I really feel like it puts Harley Davidson in a difficult position. I mean, I'm sure that they've got some great minds working on it, but I mean, it, the dust will settle on this eventually. Yeah, we'll see here, where it right? goes. But, um, I just, I don't want. If they sat around and did nothing, I think that would be a worse idea. Definitely would be a worse idea. Yeah. yeah. All right. Enough of that. Yeah. Moving on to the next Moving thing. Moving on. Here, right? <laughs> More local news. Brendan Ferrer has departed South Sound Motorcycles. He was a longtime employee of Keith and Ann Ty. Good guy. Ran a good shop down there. Opened that store up when they opened it up. I think it was 2003 or wow. four. And uh, I don't know where it's going to wind up. He lives up here in Seattle, and I haven't talked to him directly since. So I don't know where we'll see him wind up. But it might be interesting to watch what happens. We've got a few people out of management from that company that are kind of doing their own thing now. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of talent, you're right, that have come out, uh, that's come out of South Sound. So hopefully he continues that legacy uh, at another shop or starts his own thing, and we can uh, continue to draw from that here in the Seattle area. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Um, well, we were talking earlier about the, the Weird Oregon and the Sasquatch Tour. Right. And uh, so we recently released the book and a GPS file for that Weird Oregon Tour. And uh, we will be releasing, or maybe we'll already have it out by the time this broadcast goes up. You'll be able to buy the book for the Sasquatch Tour and the GPS track as well. Which I got to say, this is one of my favorite things. I really like the fact that you uh, you published these after the tour and that people still have a chance to go and ride it. Because not everybody's in for the group thing. Yeah. And sometimes people just are like, hey, I want to find good places to ride. You get the USB, you download the tracks, you flip through the book, and you go out at your own pace. You want to do it in five days, you want to do it in two weeks, go out and hit the roads. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, I had a customer call me the other day. He said he bought somebody else's tour of the Olympic Peninsula. Yeah. And uh, when he opened up the package, there was a note in there that said that the GPS file wouldn't be compatible with his GPS. I, I had it working in five minutes over the phone. Oh, there you go. So. Troubleshooting. 
And uh, once that gentleman gets his bill, I'm sure he'll think it was well worthwhile, right? (laughs) He said, well, gee, I really appreciate this. And I said, well, you can always feel free to support us through the store, purchase in the store, whatever you want to do. Come to the rally sometime. But hey, speaking of the rally, you you had uh, a pitch, right? We we got pitched big time from the folks at Hell's a Poppin'. And so we watched a video, and uh, they wanted to come and be a part of the rally in the gorge. And we watched a video, and we realized that it probably wasn't going to be a good match. Yeah. Well, I, I will say credit because uh, you know I I did check out some of their stuff here. It seems very interesting. I just don't I don't think this is the right venue, but it's essentially like an old timey circus sideshow. Yeah, it's like a twenty first century yeah. freak show. Right. Uh, got the sword swallowers yeah. and the fire eaters and the guy with no legs and. Yeah, yeah, they had some, some very interesting stuff. I just watched a few clips, and they seem like uh, they seem like great guys and a great team. But I don't think that's what people come to the rally in the gorge for. No, yeah, I think people want to don't get you, out and ride. Th- th- but when you watch that, don't you see? Can't you just imagine a whole lot of people with like uh, dual sport bikes yeah. wanting to get into the Hell's a Poppin' show? <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, I don't sport know. Like bikes. I said, if that's the right fit, but uh, you know what, I think that I think one of the Folkstead brothers should put this on. They should, they should have these guys come in and do either the Hell's Canyon or the Pendleton Bike Week. Yeah, there you go. And I'd go to, I'd go watch the Hell's a Poppin' if I went over to Pendleton Bike Week. Yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, do you think, do they do anything? specific motorcycle related like i know you mentioned sword swallowing do they do it like an oil dipstick or anything like that oh or, yeah you yeah. know the sword swallowing that's motorcycle specific <laughs> right there i mean how many that's why all these guys don't want to wear full face helmets because they won't go down the road and swallow swords while they ride you know i'd never considered that but that's an excellent point that yeah. is the one reason to wear a uh, non-full face helmet let's yeah. go half shell you can eat fire a lot easier when you don't <laughs> have on a full face helmet uh, I didn't see anything in the video that said they had anything motorcycle specific. Yeah. I don't know if some guy comes in and does a smoky burnout and then uh, eats a eats a uh, totaled out tire. Right. <laughs> that would like be that. that would be very interesting. Yeah. I don't know why the clip that I saw was from Sturgis. Give me ten minutes in the think tank and I'll <laughs> yeah. I'll rework their whole show. <laughs> we'll call that the uh, Tom Marin's a popping. Uh, uh, a couple of new bikes on the way. Yeah. Honda's got the new monkey bike, a tribute to the Mini Trail 50. Yeah, this got a ton of activity on social media. Oh, huh? It sure did. Yeah. That thing <laughs> lit up and all those shares. I've never seen it light up like that in a long time. Yeah. Well, like you said, 125cc and a little bit of a throwback. Some really cool retro styling on this bike. Yeah. So it's it, actually, it's it's modeled after the very first bike I ever rode, which was a Mexican yellow Mini Trail 50. Right. And uh, and when you look at the picture side by side, that's not really. No, not quite. The same bike. I mean, like this has inverted front forks. Yeah. And it has suspension on the rear, which the original Mini Trail 50 did not have suspension on the rear. This is uh, a little more Supermoto inspired versus tractor inspired for the old uh, 50, right? I don't know if I'd say it was Supermoto. It's just more, you know, like you went to lunch with us that day that we rode the the Groms to lunch. Yeah. And uh, everybody's, you know, crazy about this bike. And I'm sure they're going to sell out of every one of them that they make on the first year. Sure. But uh, as an adult... I don't really fit that bike too well. No, but I think I, when I say supermoto, I guess more towards like uh, like you, you get you got to get it. To, it's a bike to play around on, right? 
It's yeah. not like it's not a touring machine. You take it to the rally in the gorge, and it becomes your pit bike. There you go. <laughs> you take that between uh, your campsite and the showers. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, you ride it into the shower, and you take a shower together oh, with the bike. Hose it right down, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be looking for you on the monkey bike in the shower. I think you're you're going to add that to your uh, Hells of Poppin' tour, your offshoot. <laughs> shower bike man, right? Uh, what else? We got a new CRF450RX, yeah, now this which is, is street legal. Much more interesting. We're always happy to hear about the 400 plus 600 type dual sports coming to market. Yeah. Mm, the heartbreaking moment for me was when I looked at that 1.3 gallon gas tank and said, man, do me. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, well, I mean, how long? We have 48 hours before we see a... Uh, a Cherby's five-gallon five, five yeah. tank? Yeah, I mean, and then definitely. And the Tour Tech and uh, everybody else making their luggage for it. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting platform. Obviously, the, uh, the 450, the CRF 450, uh, renowned sort of for its, uh, for its dirt skills. And I think it's great. Put some turn signals on that thing and let people go to town on making the Frankenstein. I've always enjoyed having a 300-pound dual sport. Yeah. And and you just can't find them nowadays, you know, that, are, that are up that high in power. Yeah, the power is there. I also, in addition to the, uh, the tank being so small, the one thing that I was kind of cringed at a little bit was, uh, what is it, 10,699, I think, is the... Well, it's a Honda. <laughs> you know, was this after the tariffs pay, or what? You're going to pay for quality. I still feel like this should be an eight thousand dollar bike. Eight thousand? Yeah, that'll be the Suzuki or the Yamaha or the Kawasaki. But All you'll right. pay ten for the Honda. That, that's the way it works, man. And but, don't forget the resale value is going to be higher. No, what about like the NC seven hundred X is priced pretty that well. A good on, deal, huh? That's pretty well in line with like the V Strom. Yeah, I paid like six grand for mine. Yeah, that was a good deal. So that's what I'm putting the heat on Honda. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna start tweeting. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Gonna, I'm gonna start you charging do your tariffs. Tweet storm. <laughs> I'm starting charging tariffs on a Honda. <laughs> on, well, specifically on the CRF 450RX. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start charging tariffs on that. But I am looking forward to seeing um, the aftermarket modifications, and I think that's going to be in the lineup for a long time. It's going to be popular. Skagit Power Sports has totally come to the plate. Is that what you say? Call, come to the plate. Came yeah. to the table. Came to the plate. Sure. Stepped up. Stepped up to the plate and yeah. came to the table. <laughs> Stepped up to the emotional dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they are offering 20% discount on parts and accessories from now through the middle of July, the 15th, for anybody with a Rally in the Gorge registration. That's insanity. That's insanity. Yeah. Like, if you let's say you wanted to buy like a $1,000 set of luggage. Right. You'd save 200 bucks right then. And that's more than uh, the cost of your rally registration exactly. right there. Exactly. Yeah. You don't even have to go to the rally. You right. can buy a registration and not even go, and then you can sell your registration to some guy on Craigslist. <laughs> that's care. right. Just make sure that uh, he's an actual rider. You know, somebody's got a dual sport or a sport bike. So what would you do if you were driving down the street one day and you saw a Ford Fiesta, and all of a sudden the hood on the front of the car opened up and a motorcycle popped out? I uh, I would say it's about time. Doesn't that sound like a 21st century freak show? It does, yeah. Well, Ford has filed a patent to put a motorcycle into a Ford Fiesta for transport and then be able to unload it anywhere. So what what's the intent on this? Is this like, uh, hey, I work downtown, but it's it's too busy, so I'm going to drive <laughs> yeah, the park and ride, and yeah, then I'm going to pop much, open. And, too much traffic. Yeah. I'll just leave my car here in the lane and yeah. get to work. Yeah. I'll come get it at lunchtime. <laughs> 
<laughs> I uh, I had not seen this, but this will be my uh, my primary Google search as soon as uh, the broadcast is over here because this sounds uh, patently absurd. It sounds crazy. Yeah, I don't. I, and you know, was there market research that led to this? It said, "Well, we need to build this now." Why would you do it from a Fiesta? Wouldn't you rather do it from like a, well, I guess like a, a transit van? Yeah. Well, I was. <laughs> My first inclination was that or a truck, but I guess then you just put the motorcycle on the back. Huh? And then there's going to – you must not be able to put like a full-size motorcycle. It must be like a monkey bike. Yeah, the, the 125cc, I guess. Uh, yeah. Maybe so, yeah. The yellow Ford Fiesta with the Mexican yellow monkey bike coming right. out of the front. It's like giving birth to a monkey bike. Although they probably Ford probably wouldn't uh, partner with Honda on this, I don't think. Well, right? we're not going to partner with Harley-Davidson, so well, – well, no, they might. They, they have, have so many choices. They have Harley Davidson uh, partnerships, though, right? On some of their yeah, trucks. Yeah, but they don't make a Harley Davidson small enough to fit in a Ford Fiesta. Oh, come on! You can get a six hundred pound Harley in there, <laughs> double the weight of the Fiesta. <laughs> or no, wait, maybe. Well, Harley they can't use the term Fiesta, right? Because of the whole border controversy. That's got to be. That's got to be coming up, right? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of angles on that. And you have to pay more of a tariff if you have a Fiesta? Yes, you do. Hmm. All right. Uh, Oh, last but not least, so there's some uh, new Husqvarna street bikes coming to the market in the fall, which is a perfect time to bring motorcycles to the market, right when the season's over. Yeah, well, when everybody's going to the dealership. Very cool-looking bikes, but um, the word I'm hearing from dealers is that the – Wholesale cost to the dealer is almost identical to the retail price. Well, that's not good. So I'm hearing some dealers telling me they will not be carrying these new models. Well, now there's also the, on the horizon here. These are European-made bikes. Uh, I think they're actually made in India. Are they? By a European, by, by an Austrian, Austrian company. company, right? Yeah. Okay, so now where does that fall into the tariff platform? Because if these are already at market price and they're 20% more. Well, let's do double tariff. So we'll, we'll, set the, we'll, set the, we'll set the wholesale price at 25% above the retail price. How do you, how do you like that? Gotcha. Now, if I, I have to, I have to double, good business. I'd have to double check my math, but aren't to, to do two tariffs cancel each other out? I don't know. Is it two negatives or a positive? How does that work? Uh, I don't know. And then I guess it depends on how many chromosomes the tariff has in yeah. it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, there it is, folks. Your yeah. emotional dumpster fire That's of right. news bites. Top, of, uh, top to bottom there. That's some interesting stuff. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back with a calendar, and hopefully it won't be as nutty as this part was. <laughs> Support for SoundWriter and The SoundWriter Show is made possible by... The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, the Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com slash rally. Hi, my name is George. I'm from East Wenatchee, Washington. One of my favorite rides is in southeast Oregon up onto the Steens Mountains and back down. Hello, this is Harold Olaf Cecil from Giant Loop, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show.
So, Derek. Yeah. You know, um, you were talking on the show, I think it was your tip last month, okay. about Canada. Right? Yeah, that's right. And I came across an interesting thing for people who are into track days and into watching road racing. Cool. Um, there'd be no better time for people living in the Pacific Northwest to uh, throw their sport bike in the trailer or the van or whatever they do, the, 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 the fifth wheel or whatever. Fiesta. And head to Canada because on Sunday the 2nd, there will be road racing at Mission Raceways. But then on Monday the 3rd, there's a track day. So you could really put together a, a, a nice little trip. And I know, uh, you know, that's happening at the beginning of July. Maybe you're listening to this show now and it's already gone by. And could be, it. yeah. But uh, that was a kind of a cool thing that surfaced up and I thought, eh, it'd be, you know, it'd be different. No, I think you're right. I think that would be a great trip to go up. You would take in some road racing. And honestly, I mean, you could do a track day on anything. So even if you want to take like your Africa twin, if you want to ride up there. Yeah. You know, do some camping and then uh, take that thing out on the track. It could uh, put through the paces. I think that'd be a fun time. I've had arguments over wanting to take my Silverwing scooter on the track. Oh, yeah? But but in the end, I won. You got it on there, right? Yeah. Well, well you've got well, how many CCs in the Silverwing? 600. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like 583. <laughs> okay. Forget so. about it. It's definitely track worthy then. Oh, totally. I got and no the tires are, are all up to spec yeah. and all that. So. Anyways, that's a good, um, that's a good that's a good tip though. A nice calendar item. I like that. Always, you know, you got to find excuses to go to Canada. Sometimes, if you're down here in the states, and with the dollar the way it is right now, great time to go. Because yeah. you know, if it's a hundred and fifty dollar track day, that's going to be um, about one twenty, right? U.S. So good deal. That pays for your food that day. Uh, what else is happening? Okay, so let's say you missed that opportunity on uh, Thursday through Monday. It always ends on a Monday. The Hells Canyon Motorcycle Rally, July 12th through the 16th. Yeah. Down this, in Baker City. This would be another exciting one here, right? And who's uh, do you know who's on tap this year for the, uh, the Hells Canyon Rally? I don't. Okay. Me either. But, you mean uh, music-wise? Yeah. Or I, 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 they, do they, they have really something? They really do have like no, um, I guess it's Pendleton, they isn't it? They usually have like some local band or something. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but we'll, we'll ha- we have one coming up here on the calendar that has the big That's right. We'll get to that bands. in a bit here. Um, let's see. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, the 14th and 15th, MotoFit will be doing their track days out at the Ridge. And... Uh, I know they just did one down in Oregon, and it went over quite well. Beautiful weather, too. Yeah. So uh, always always highly rated for their track days, MotoFit. Definitely a good way to improve your skills. And it's that season, too. You know, if you've been uh, – if you were thinking about it over the springtime, now go down. Get some track day time in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If track days aren't your thing, on Sunday the 15th, um, you could head out to Walla Walla for the weekend, and you could do the Cruising for Critters ride. This is the fourth annual, I believe. Uh, raises money for the uh, local animal organization out there. Um, and then you look at their uh, – if you go to our website, you can get to their website, and you'll see they they have a list of things that you could bring, like – Pet food and brushes and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Always, you know, always nice when they do these charity rides. I think it's a great way to uh, to get together with some fellow motorcyclists. And I've always wanted to go out and support this event and go personally, and I just haven't gotten to it yet. I don't know what I'm going to do here yet. I'm yeah, still mulling it over. And that's the uh, Whitman County Humane Society that uh, right. cruising for critters benefits. Yeah, right. 
Um, let's see. Okay, so this is interesting. A motorcycle rally running from a Monday through Friday. That sounds like a whole lot of retired guys. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the Norton Owners Tall Timber Rally in Elma. Monday through Friday, July 16th through the 20th. When you talk about a lot of retired guys, I think, uh, forget the dates, you could just say Norton owners, right? I don't think you'll see a lot of modern Nortons. Not here. I mean, I know they make them, but I don't think you'll see a ton at this rally, do you? No, and I don't think you'll see a 23-year-old pull up on a Norton either. But you never know. You never know, that's true. (laughs) Taking it from his daddy's garage. Right. Uh, see, uh, Thursday through Monday, always right. ends on a Monday. The Pendleton Bike Week is going to be July 19th through the 23rd, Thursday through Monday. And again, this is, uh, continues to be a success. And this year we're going to see what, Grand Funk Railroad? Uh, no, this year's Fog Hat. Last year was last year was Grand Funk. Uh, yeah, last year was Grand Funk. Okay. Three Dog Night the year before that. Okay. Um, but this year it's going to be Fog Hat and also Petty, petty Fever. <clears throat> Excuse me, Petty Fever. Petty Fever. I don't know Petty Fever. Petty Fever. Well, imagine what that might be. I would say a Tom Petty cover band. There you go. All right. There you go. And what more fitting year to have one than this year? Hey. Since Tom can't actually make the show himself. Running down a dream. <laughs> I'm living the dream. I'm running down That's a dream. That's right, yeah. Uh, let's see, PacWest Motocross in McCleary, Washington. That would be out at the um, Saddle Something Park there. In uh, McCleary? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about this event here. I think uh, it's motocross, obviously, McCleary, Washington. You need something to do on the 21st? Go and check this out. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Saturday the 21st. Yeah. Or if you want some road racing, we've got uh, road racing at... uh, at the Portland International Raceway, Saturday and Sunday, July 21 through 22. And this is going to be the Wimra and Omra organizations kind of competing against each other. Yeah. You know, I haven't been down to Portland in a couple of years. I feel like one of these weekends, this is going to be a good excuse to go down to Portland, try out some of the new restaurants, and maybe to take in there you go. some racing, right? It won't be, won't be raining, probably. Yeah. So, and it won't be... 30 degrees out. <laughs> I hope not. It might anyway. be the right time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, last but not least, coming up in August, uh, we talked a little bit about it before, August 22nd through the 26th, Rally in the Gorge. Hope you can make it. Uh, let's see. It's going to be have... jam-packed, man. I'm looking for – I'm. Uh, you know, I always look forward to the rally, but this year in particular, I just feel like uh, I can't wait to get down there. Yeah. Well, the weather so far has been nice. You know, it's been a mild spring. Yeah. And maybe it's going to be a mild summer and then make a really nice rally down there. Definitely. It's a beautiful location. You got your three volcanoes. You got five days, four nights, three volcanoes, too much fun, and one heck of a good time. Yeah, man. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait. All right, let's uh, let's take a little break. We got an interview coming up with uh, Karen Thompson from Avid Moto Tours. Derek's going to go change his oil. We'll be right back. 921 Party FM presents Fog Hat live in concert, performing one evening only, Saturday, July 21st. Doors open at 6 p.m. Don't miss your chance to see this legendary band perform at the world famous Happy Canyon Arena in Pendleton, Oregon. With hits like. Opening for them is Petty Fever, and a 
award-winning Tom Petty tribute band. Hi, my name is Mike. I'm from Vancouver. One of my favorite places to ride in BC is the Duffy Lake Pass. It's a 600 kilometer loop leaving from Vancouver. Uh, as soon as you get past Whistler, there's hardly any traffic up there. There's endless twisties, and you go from a high mountain pass down into basically desert roads. There's so much to see, and it changes so much in a short period of time. Hi, this is Rolfie Mogabi from Rockstraps, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. are back on the Soundwriter Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher, and Derek is missing in action right now. So uh, we've got a special guest who's come into the studio. She's a longtime ambassador to motorcycling in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I want everybody to say hello to Karen Thompson from Avid Moto Tours. Thank you. Nice to see you. Glad you came over today to do the interview. Well, it was a good day for riding. So you have a tour coming up in September. You're going to be doing a whole lot of volcanoes. Yes. So uh, this is through your company, Avid Moto Tours. So before we talk about the tour, let's just give everybody kind of a rundown of what Avid Moto Tours is and kind of your background and how it came to be. Okay. I started Edelweiss um, by working with Edelweiss Bike Travel as a tour guide. That was in uh, 1970 or 1996, and uh, I worked for them for a while. Then I worked with the American Motorcyclist Association, and when I was finished with those two uh, jobs, I decided that I still wanted to tour, and I still wanted to share motorcycle travel with a lot of other people, and so I started my own company, Avid Moto Tours. All right. And um, how'd you get into motorcycling? Uh, I came up at it in uh, 19, was it 76? I took a motorcycle safety foundation course. So I had an interest in it and I took the course and it got me on the right path. In 1980, after meeting my husband, buying a BMW and joining the Washington State BMW Riders, I got into touring and uh, really fell in love with riding and um, traveling by motorcycle. And I also wanted to be the best rider I could be. So I took an experienced rider course. Then I became an instructor. I instructed for approximately 16 years. I've taken 
class, California Advanced Safety Schools classes with Reg Pridmore at both Laguna Seca and SIR. Oh, man, what a blast. Hmm. All right. And uh, then I decided to give way to my wanderlust and started touring further and farther destinations. And um, it became about the ride, not the destination. I now have about 400,000 motorcycle miles. Ah, okay. I take it you you probably signed up for one or two tours and you got the bug to be a tour guide? Actually, I had never done a guided tour before I became a guide. Oh, that's interesting. I just knew I liked to travel. Just kind of threw yourself right into the fire. (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) And never stopped. (laughs) So uh, this September, you've got this volcano tour coming up together with Tamla Rich, and you guys are going to be hitting a lot of miles here in the Pacific Northwest. Can you give the listeners just a little bit of uh, some detail on how it's going to go? Yes, it's called our Northwest Volcanoes and Coast Tour. Um, I created it and co-led it in 2015 with Frank Cavucci, who was my boss at the AMA. Um, he has since gotten his started his own company, Cavucci Motor Tours, and uh, we had 32 people on that tour, and uh, the feedback was enthusiastically positive. Um, everybody had a great time, and uh, so I decided I wanted to do it again, and uh, we used the most scenic and fabled motorcycle roads in the Pacific Northwest from the north of California up until into just into Washington. Mm-hmm. We're going to start in Portland. We will ride from Portland to the coast, then down the Pacific coast, just past Eureka, California. We'll do the Lost Coast for those who want to uh, try the the not so good roads. But yeah, do you have the maintenance truck that goes along <laughs> with that? No, we do not. So it, <laughs> it's every rider for themselves with support, for as much support as we can give. But not even also, any extra final drives. Huh? Yeah, no. <laughs> I know there's a lot of potholes on that road. Yeah. But that's not, um, it's not a necessary part either. It's for those that, people that want to go on it. Um, and we hook up with the Avenue of the Giants near Garberville at the other end of um, the Lost Coast run. Mm-hmm. And um, those that don't want to do the Lost Coast can go just meet us at the Avenue of the Giants. So we do the Redwoods in the Avenue of the Giants. Then we'll go across the legendary motorcycle roads across California east to Lassen Peak. Is that 36? Yes, 36. Yep. Yep. One of the best motorcycle roads in California. Yeah, And... Um, from Lassen Peak, we do Lava Beds National Monument, which is on the border of Oregon and California in the eastern part. Um, Crater Lake, we'll do the Aufterhide in Oregon, Mackenzie Pass, Three Sisters, Mount Hood, Columbia Gorge, and finally Mount St. Helens back to Portland. Nice. It's a 10-day tour. Nice. Well, going back to that 36 road, that's one of the craziest roads around. Oh, it's gorgeous. Those blind corners, and then they turn into whoops right after. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and there's, there's deer everywhere. There and is. And they, they've they actually taken some of the fun out of it on the east side. Uh, they've straightened it out a bit in the last few years. There's a, a sort of a carbon copy, same design out on the east side of California. 
um, outside of the um, oh, just south of Mammoth, and then you go east from Lone Pine. And there's another one of those roads okay. that has a whole bunch of corners, and they're blind corners. Yeah. And then there's a whoop after it, and, <laughs> and some of them are in whoops. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they've done to that one. I haven't been on it for a while. So that sounds good. That sounds like you'd be, yeah, you'd be getting all those volcanoes in. Yes, we September, have a lot should of have seven, pretty good weather down yep, there. Yep, there should not be any snow yet. There won't be, you know, in the spring, it's too early because there's still snow in the mountains and we're going up at some high elevations. Um, also in September is some of the best weather for the coast. Uh, mm. The fog goes away in September usually. Mm -hmm. And the RVs are off the roads. Yeah. So the looky-loos aren't going to be as much of a problem. Won't be any June gloom. Yes. Um, so you'll be doing this with Tamla, and you guys, I know you guys were together at the Rally in the Gorge a couple of years ago. Is that where you guys met? No. We uh, we met five years ago. I was Tamla Rich, and she is a um, touring and travel expert and an author, and you can check her out at TamlaRich.com. And uh, she and I met at the... American Motorcyclist Association. Um, like the Finnish Motorcycle Days? No, the Women oh, the in, women in, women in yeah. Motorcycling Conference, the mm -hmm. International Women in Motorcycling Conference in Carson City. We met there. We were both presenting, and we were heading then to your rally because both of us were going to present there. So we decided to join up and ride together and share rooms and we found that we were quite compatible and oh, enjoyed the same things and same roads both pretty happy-go-lucky so so uh um what kind of planning did you have to put together on this you'd already kind of done the tour once so i guess you probably learned a few things you wanted to modify yeah very little actually um i did cut one day off of it so that i could uh make it a little less expensive for people and um but going through any tour planning it takes it does take a lot of planning and i start with familiarity um usually it's some place that i really want to go back to mm -hmm. that i remember that i have fond memories of and want to share that with other people um the motorcyclists the 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 roads that we're going to be going on are our motorcyclists dream come true and the scenery is absolutely breathtaking. And I know um, we have we have people listening to this podcast from all over the place, not just in the Northwest. So um, the good news is you're actually starting it and ending it out the BMW Motorcycles of Oregon. Um, actually, it's near their store, but um, we also have rentals right. with a um, a discount. Uh, for people going on our tour, available through MotoQuest. So you don't have to bring your own bike. If you want to come in from the East Coast, you can fly into Portland and then pick up the bike, and you'll be on the tour. Yeah, that's right. Or they can ship their bike, or they can bring their vehicle, a, a truck or something, and, and haul their bike in if they want to. I have the hotel that I have there, our base hotel, has arrangements for them to park their vehicles, their large vehicles there while we're on tour. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. That's always nice. Yes. 
Um, so, uh, Derek, I think he's out changing his oil or something right now, but he wrote all these questions. So um, uh, one of the questions he had for you is, uh, tell us about one of your favorite guide moments. Oh, well, it's generally my favorite moments on any tour are at the end of the day when people are coming into the hotel and I see them coming in with these big grins on their face. And uh, it's just great to see that people are enjoying what I'm showing them and and being able to give them a great experience. Um, sitting down to a good meal and sharing what we've done in the day, it's just uh, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy that. And I know that feeling having just come off of the road trip and the Sasquatch tour. So yes, it is nice. I also like to. I like it when I find that someone has learned from my experience. I, coming from somebody in motorcycle education, um, if there's somebody that's a little rusty or has some questions, I can give them a little guidance, and it's, it's great to be able to do that. I had one gal in the Rockies who was new to riding. She had a little trepidation, and uh, but within the first three days... She was coming in with a grin from ear to ear and um, fell in love with motorcycle travel. So Now, do people get the route on GPS, or does everybody stay together when they ride? I don't normally give a route on J- GPS. If somebody has um, that request, I can put something together for them. Um, I use maps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm old school that way. Um, maps in, in my head, and I write a very detailed tour book that has turn-by-turn turn, uh, okay. turn directions. And there's often uh, options of the route, and you're not required to stay with the tour guides if you do not wish to. If you want to pair up with someone else or go on your own, you're more than welcome to do that, and we'll give you the information that you need to know on how to get to the next point of view or the next hotel and uh we'll see you when you get there yeah you know, it's yeah. it's all at your own pace and the way that you want to do it and i always recommend my people carry like a good benchmark atlas so if they do want to take off on their own they can right or if a road closes around them they can get her you know because september it's still kind of fire season so yeah. you never know what's going to happen yes that's there. true yeah, I'll I'll be providing maps for everyone. So, so another question uh, Derek has is how about a good guide horror story? Oh, I have a few, but <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorites is uh, when I was on a Route sixty six tour with Frank Cavucci, and we lost a tour member overnight. And uh, it turned out that he had some dementia, and no one knew it. Oh! He was not riding with the tour guides. He was riding with a buddy and ended up getting separated from his buddy. So he blasted right past the hotel for the night and ended up riding, actually, two days farther ahead. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Um, We only lost him for about 24 hours. We tracked him down in the next state told him where we were going to be the next night, and he made it up there, and we were reconnected. And the rest of the tour, he spent with the tour guide. Yeah, so. that be a little spooky. Yeah, yeah. But he finished just fine, so. You know, we were talking about 
what a good feeling it is when everybody's all happy at the end of the night. And and I don't get the good feeling until the last person walks through the door. Exactly. And it, yeah, and then at that point, I can finally relax and everybody's happy. Or I might get the story about, well, your GPS route was all messed up. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I understand that. I usually tell people to, if you're not going to be there for dinner, please give me a call because I want to make sure I will stop worrying if I know where you are. Yeah. If you're not there, I can't have a drink, darn it, until <laughs> until everybody's in. Yeah. You know, I want to be, if I have to go ride after somebody or go to help, then I need to be 100%. So We put our cell numbers in the back of the tour books when we do it, and then yeah. uh, about 6 o'clock or so, we start calling around to who mm-hmm. we haven't heard from. So. Well, we don't have 32. We've had around 20, 25 before. I think maybe there was one Sasquatch when we had 40. So when you're doing wow. a dual sport tour that's with 40 a, people. That's a lot. You that's got a more lot of, difficult. Yeah, the, yeah. You got a lot of uh, different kind of area to cover. And you got a lot of mechanicals going on. Yeah. Flat tires. and We had two flat tires on Sasquatch this year. It was the same person. Oh. One in the rear, and then the next day, one in the front. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they have a knack for hitting rocks or uh, uh, bad equipment? I think it all began with low tire pressure oh. and then take it from there. Yeah. So uh, so the, you, you, you've been through the, the tour industry. You've seen it as it's morphed and changed over the last 25 years. How, do you, how is it different today than it was? Uh, well, it's... It's a lot different, actually. There's a lot more people that now that are aware and are interested in touring by motorcycle than when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many people that I'd they'd say, what do you do? I'm a, t- I'm a motorcycle tour guide. And they go, I didn't know anybody did that. <laughs> and uh, even riders, you know, um, they just didn't know about it. Um, ADV or adventure riding didn't even exist, really, right. then. Um and when I first started leading tours, there were three or four well-known companies mm-hmm. in the world, and that's all. Um, mm-hmm. Now there's like dozens and dozen, yeah. dozens and um, more exotic um, destinations. And uh, people need to know that the companies conduct their tours a lot differently. You can find a tour company that will conduct a tour the way you want it conducted. Um, some people like to have the support of a truck to carry their luggage. Mm-hmm. They want to have a tour guide all the time. Others want to be riding on their own. Just tell me where I need to be and I'll be there. And um, you can find some tour companies will require you to be riding with the guide in a formation Oh, or my. to others where you can just go on your own totally. There's um, self-guided tours that mm-hmm. people uh, – so you can find anything that you really want. But um, what you need to ask yourself is do I want it guided all the time or do I want a free ride? Um, what kind of quality do I want in my accommodations? And um, what's included – in the tour. Right. Um, and what's important to you? Are you more about the roads and uh, the riding, the riding styles? Do you sport or cruising? Um, 
the scenery important, the history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those things are important, and it's things that you need to ask a tour company about before you sign up for a tour. Right, right. And some people might um, take multiple tours, and so they're going to run into different ways that they're run every time, you know. Yes, if they go with different companies, it's mm-hmm. totally going to be different. I've worked for a lot of different companies, so I've seen a lot of different ways that people do it. I worked for Edelweiss. I worked for the American Motorcyclist Association. I've worked with Frank Cavucci. Um, I have also worked with Eagle Rider. Mm-hmm. I've worked, um, of course, then myself, and um, I worked for BMW Motorride. Uh, on a contract basis, um, doing their booth and leading demo rides. So um, there's a lot of different ways of doing things, and I've done most of it. <laughs> so some people are new riders. When's the right time for somebody to consider taking a uh, an organized tour? Um, just about any time, really. Um, I've taken people that have had as few, just a few hundred miles or a few thousand miles to people with hundreds of thousands of miles. Mm-hmm. And um, each one of them can get good and benefit and enjoyment from my tours. Um, because I have the background of motorcycle education, I can help people that um, are newer. And we take things at a pace um, to the to the group, I've been um, I've been told that I've able to make everybody happy, even in riding in the same group with many different uh, skill levels. Mm-hmm. You just have to watch your little ducks behind you and uh, and make sure that everybody's comfortable. You have to set your pace according to the slowest rider, but then you also have to let the faster rider enjoy some fun too. I usually do this by speeding up in the corners and Mm -hmm. slowing down in the straights Mm -hmm. and telling people we don't usually ride in formation. Um, We'll ride strung out more. So if I speed up on the straightaways, even the inexperienced rider can keep up and can catch up if they need to, mm-hmm. but by going or well by slowing down in the I'm sorry slowing down in the straights anybody can go fast in a straight line. Right. The most fun is in the corners, so I speed up in the corners, and those that are faster can ride faster, and those then when I it's the straight straights come, I'll slow down and let the slower riders catch up, mm-hmm. so that before I make any kind of a turn. I know I've got my whole group with me. And by varying the speed like that, I've been able to keep everybody happy. You put your your slower riders in the front or in the back? Eh, Well, it depends on the group. I play it by ear, but sometimes I will put them in the back. It depends on what size of group, too. That's what I like to do. I like to put them in the back. If I'm going to be leading people, I like to put the slower people in the back. And then uh, the, the, the faster ones can either try to keep up with me or go around me if they want. Right. I yes, and that's I've heard it done, and I have done it both ways, where you have the newest rider behind you, and I think like on a day ride, sometimes that's what I will do. I'll put the newest, least experienced rider behind me so I can keep an, an eye on them. But um, if they know that you're not going to run away from them, then I tell everybody you just ride your own pace. Yeah. 
And yeah. and I will not lose you. I will wait for you. If yeah, there's that's a turn, what I do. I put the slowest in the back, and I say, we'll be waiting for you up to the next corner. Yeah, exactly. Don't Someone worry about will it. Someone be there. Take, yeah, yes, exactly. So, all right. Um, let's see. Are you still teaching motorcycle education? No, I haven't done that for quite a while. I, uh, I'm i the North End Ride Chairman for the BMW Club, the State BMW Club. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I just uh, got back into the club. I've been so busy. I hadn't been involved in the club for a long time, and now I'm getting back into it and enjoying a little more local riding. Yeah. Nice to, I actually liked – I took a few years off of not doing a whole lot of local riding. Mm-hmm. Kind of fun going mm-hmm. back out and hitting some of those roads again. Yes, exactly. So, All right. Any uh, parting tips for the listeners? I do. Things that I always keep in mind is um, never stop learning or practicing. Mm-hmm. Be the best you can be and know how to get the most out of your motorcycle. Um, get rider education and learn the right way. Make sure you practice situational awareness. Make sure you know what's going on around you and where you need to be to keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last but not least, at GAT, all the gear, all the time. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, I thank you again for coming over today, doing the interview. Uh, I envy you guys. You're going to be out there on the road. Anybody who's listening, uh, don't envy them. Go with them. Yes. Sign up. um, Sign up at avidmototours.com. Very good. Very good. All right. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be back, I think, with some tips and tricks. Support for the Soundwriters Show is provided in part by... Seattle Cycle Center. As more and more shops discontinue sales of apparel and aftermarket gear, Seattle Cycle Center continues to provide a wide selection of everything you need for your next ride. Family-owned and operated for more than 30 years, Seattle Cycle Center is your destination for helmets, jackets, pants, boots, gloves, rain gear, and much more. Visit their store on Aurora Avenue soon. All right. My name's Sean. I'm from uh, Bremerton. I got a KLR650 and a Goldwing, and my favorite ride is anything that involves dirt, uh, especially if I'm on the Goldwing. This is Garden Robinette from Trail Tech, makers of Voyager. You're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Coasting on into the final segment here on this July episode of the Sound Rider Show. And of course, we're going to leave you with some tips and tricks. But before we jump into that, I did want to touch on one quick thing with you, Tom, was uh, to see, did you see this national campaign by Domino's Pizza to fill potholes? That did what? They're filling potholes. Domino's Pizza. I heard about this. They're filling potholes, and the the whole gimmick is, you know, to prevent your pizza from getting rattled around when it's being delivered. But I thought, hey, maybe these guys will make it out to Seattle because we could use a little we work need here, them. right? Yeah, we need them. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to openly campaign for that. Domino's Pizza, if you're listening, uh, Seattle would love uh, for you to come out here and do a little paving. Yeah, and while you're at it, you can do a little um, crack filling. And yeah, a little. Uh, uh, ceiling. Do and, it all. 
Yeah. We love our pizzas, and we'd love some improved roadways, so. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it or not either. The pavement they're putting in, they're actually, it's, they're painting it like the dominoes, too. So oh, it's really? like the red and blue. Yeah, and in some, in some place, they actually did 150 potholes. Well, yeah, because I could see where some communities would say, they would say, yeah, they're going to do this for free? Yeah. Okay, great. And that's then Seattle would be like, you're not getting on our street. Yeah, no. that's right. Well, yeah, We're sending out the pothole ranger. Uh, we're going to send out somebody at uh, three times the cost. That's what uh, Seattle's message will be. <laughs> but, uh, but let's get into some tips or tricks. You want to kick it off or you want me to go here? Uh, you go. Okay. So uh, I just have it's, – it's a little bit of a tip and it's a little bit of a reminder, um, kind of a simple one. But as we get into these longer days, just wanted to remind riders, especially when you're out touring, keep an eye out for wildlife, mm-hmm. especially in the mornings and at the end of the days, particularly at the end of days when your resilience and your vision and your kind of mental fortitude might be wearing down as you're looking for a campsite – a lot of wildlife out there, tons of deer, tons of elk, and just kind of take heed to the signs, look at the side of the roads, watch the other drivers, and please try to stay safe and not run over any wildlife on your motorcycle. That's my, my tip slash uh, reminder for the month. I agree. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Always keep an eye out, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Always keep scanning. Don't let your peripheral vision just go straight to the front. Yeah. Make sure you keep a wide... Area vision open. Yeah. Well, it's tough. You know, it can be tough, too, mm-hmm. on the long touring days, right? Especially when you don't have your campsite planned and you're kind of looking for other things. Before you know it, it's 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and you'll see these big herds of deer out there, and they're just waiting to cross the street. So, yeah. yeah. that's a, 8 o'clock at night is usually about when I'm still lost in the woods. Right. Um, <laughs> well, look what? out for deer in the woods, too. Yes. Yeah. As well as in the city. Yeah, the city. All of you in Alberta. That's right. You know who you are. Um, let's see. Well, okay. So um, in trying to manage my motorcycle maintenance across five bikes right now, yeah, um, I went ahead and put all the, the maintenance schedules into spreadsheets. Nice. And it's been really helpful because I could be anywhere and just pull my phone out, call the spreadsheet down off the cloud, and look up my maintenance schedule for whichever bike I'm in front of. Uh, And then uh, I realized when I was out breaking my battery last time that uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea to include in that spreadsheet the size of oil filter you use, Mm. the type of oil you use, uh, the spark plug number, the gap on the plug, stuff like that. Great idea. Uh, because you're not going to have all those books out with you when you're out riding. You might have your, your little handbook manual that would have some of that. But uh, it's just handy to access uh, because sometimes you're sitting in a hotel room and you got to call the Napa or yep. you got to call the XYZ dealership. And having all that at your fingertips is really handy. And I would say to elaborate on that, I uh, I carry a PDF version of my bike's manual, but it's pretty cumbersome to search through on your phone. Yeah. So if you've got it in a spreadsheet like that, and you just you know where to find the specific information, that's that can save you a lot of headaches. Yeah. And if you have multiple bikes, you don't have to have separate spreadsheets. You can right. just have you know one one sheet or five sheets in a workbook. So it's easy to get to them all. Yet another reason why Microsoft should sponsor this show. Yeah. I mean, what? We'll get them $5,000 an episode for the first six months, I think. We get it set up for that. Yeah, it's the it's the Soundwriter Show, sponsored by Excel. Yeah, that's right. 
Bunch hey, of my like office it. 365. Yeah, if you're listening, man, we'll uh, we'll cut the uh, the demo tape. We're no problem with that. Yeah, we'll use my voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our uh, July show for you. We're going to be back here in August. I'll bet we'll be talking a little bit about the rally on I that show. So. But uh, I want everybody to to ride safe. I want you to ride often, and uh, don't. Don't have an emotional dumpster fire anywhere soon. <laughs> On the Sound Rider Show. We'll see you in August. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on The Sound Rider Show.